This episode of Astronomy Cast is sponsored by MagellanTV.com. Check out this new streaming service with your exclusive two-month free trial by clicking over to MagellanTV.com slash AstronomyCast. Now, this isn't a normal part of the ad, but I have to say the landing page they made for AstronomyCast is amazing. Once you get to MagellanTV.com slash AstronomyCast, you can dive into a collection of documentary movies, series, and exclusive playlists. Designed by documentary filmmakers, this growing platform is adding new content weekly and is already home to a who's who of the best productions. From the overview effect to the NSF-funded Seeing the Beginning of Time, there's an amazing selection of space and astronomy-related content. Watch in 4K from Roku or on your computer, or stream on any iOS or Android device. I lost track of a bunch of hours on Saturday afternoon diving through history, and you can explore the solar system, travel to distant stars, and experience the universe like never before. Once again, you can check out this new streaming service with your exclusive two-month free trial by clicking over to MagellanTV.com slash AstronomyCast. AstronomyCast, episode 527, Astronomy of the American Southwest. Welcome to AstronomyCast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, publisher of Universe Today, with me as always, Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Uh, really good. Uh, it's been a nice, relaxing week so far, actually. It's been good. Some follow-up stories. We, you know, the Bearsheet lander crashed, and, but now Bearsheet 2 is, is, is go. Um, the Falcon Heavy landed perfectly, except it didn't. Uh, the the uh, the core booster fell over in the high seas and broke in half, and half I of it was that. returned to Poseidon. You didn't know that? No. No, yeah. So it landed and then oh, fell man. over in the high because the octo grabber uh, can't grab the core booster of a Falcon Heavy. And so, yeah, oh. it fell over and the top crunched off and, and went to the went to Davy Jones locker and the, they need they need an octo grabber massive yeah, edition an octo grabber heavy yeah yeah and of course yeah. we've still been just feasting on black hole news so it's it's been a but it's been a lot more chill but it's been it's been good <laughs> um it was a I let's just say I was very burnt out on space news last week all excited so about space news again this week yesterday and today have been like story after story after story and what i loved is today there was a theme of when asteroids invade your solar system and it was a pleasing theme it was a really pleasing theme yeah ancient peoples had no light pollution and they knew the night skies very well in fact they depended on them to know when to plant when to harvest Today, Pamela talks about the archaeoastronomical sites of the American Southwest, which coincidentally is a place you are going to be traveling to relatively soon. 
it, it is true. Next August, I am going to be leading an astro tour through the American Southwest, departing from Tucson, going to places still being determined, but will include national parks and observatories and ending it all in Las Vegas. Now, we aren't going to get to visit a lot of the archaeological sites that I'm thinking today, but the reason that I'm leading that tour is because that's the part of the country where I spent my summers growing up. It's where my grandparents are. It's where I went to graduate school. It's where I did a summer REU as an undergrad. And so when I picked the topic for today, it was basically like, okay, the news is heavy. I want to pick something that will bring me joy to read. And I know I, I, kind I, of... I just know I know exactly how this went down. You were like looking at sites that you were going to be going and thinking about it and then just nerded out and went down a rabbit hole of cool historical archaeological sites in the American Southwest. Yeah, no, that it's so actually I was playing Ticket to Ride with Keeper of Maps and Paranor going, I have no idea what to talk about. I have no, I am out of ideas. And it was out of me bemoaning how I was like out of ideas as I faced the week's world news that I was like, what if? And it was like, archaeology. Let's talk about archaeology. Let's talk about things yeah. from before the expletive hit the fan so yeah 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 so but i mean the irony of course is that the places you're going to be talking about are not places you're going to be going on your astro tour i think that's the point is like is is that you this is pure pamela rabbit hole this is you yes finding something and nerding out about it for uh for our benefit it's it's true and this is going to be part of a series uh and we are going to talk next week, most likely, about the modern astronomy being done in the American Southwest. So today we start with the beginning times, and next week we're going to talk about how we're learning about the end times. This episode of Astronomy Cast is sponsored by Away Travel. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com astro and use the promo code astro during checkout. Longtime listeners of the show know I travel a lot, like Platinum Status and Million Mile Club fly a lot. Tomorrow is another trip, and as I pulled one of my three different sized away bags out from under the bed, I knew this one element of travel was worry-free. Each bag is lightweight, strong enough to sit on while waiting in line, and the two carry-ons both have built-in batteries that ever so easily pop out of the case when you have to do a last-minute bag check. My bags are a dark maroon that look professional while still standing out on the luggage carousel, and with a ton of colors, you'll be able to make your own style statement. Did I mention I can sit on them while waiting in line? I love these bags, and I think you'll love them too. Get yours and know that from their TSA-approved locks to their 360-degree spinner wheels, these bags will make the most discerning frequent flyer happy. Once again, for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com astro and use the promo code astro during checkout. So where do you want to start? Which peoples? Which which sites? Which monuments? Well, I, I'd 
probably makes sense to start at the beginning. And the beginning is Chaco Canyon, as as far as the archaeology goes. This is the place of the Ansazi people. Uh, this is, if, if you read a lot of Neil Gaiman, this is the peoples where Coyote originated in the stories. And the Anasazi went on to fragment into the Pueblo tribes that include the Zuni, the Hopi, and many others. Now, the reason that we're starting with the Ansazi isn't just that they're the old people, they're the, the first ones is how they're often referred to, but they also left us amazing archaeological records of how they traced the seasons, the stars in Chaco Canyon, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it's also one of the very few sites in the world where the supernova of 1054 is believed to have been recorded. I just surprised Pamela with an actual picture of the place that she's describing. So for those listening, uh, there's a stunned silence there for a moment. But uh, this, this is what the audience is seeing as well. Uh, is this what you're talking about, Pamela? Why? why okay. Yes, yes, it is. All right. So what and so what kind of features are, are at this at this place? So the, the 1054 supernova is recorded, at least this is one of the explanations. What, what is seen is, is there is a, a cliff face, rock face that has a handprint, a crescent moon with the points facing down towards the horizon, which indicates it's near the horizon as the moon uh, comes up, it rotates, and so you can actually tell what phase of the moon you're looking at based on how it's oriented. It always uh, has the the bright side pointed towards the sun, and then it shows a bright many-pointed star next to it. And while the mundane explanation of what this is um, says, oh, it's just the crescent moon, the planet Venus, and a handprint. What is also looked at is perhaps this is one of the very few examples of the 1054 solar uh, supernova being recorded. This particular supernova went on to become our ever-beloved Crab Nebula. And for whatever reason, even though it shined many times brighter than Venus and stayed put unlike Venus, it wasn't noted by Europeans that we know of. There is like a known recording of it in Arabic literature. Uh, there are a bunch of notices about it in Japanese literature and Chinese literature. And, and part of this is explained as, well, the, the Europeans were more closely tied to Dark Ages and Christianity at that particular moment in time and wouldn't have seen the sky the same way, whereas the Chinese and the Japanese were using it as record keeping. They were actually careful recorders of the sky. And similarly, we had a... a we use the sky for day-to-day -day stuff, culture, 
in the American Southwest, where one of the ways that they figured out their calendar was to stand on specific rocks and look for the sun to rise and set aligned with specific places. And they also had sun towers scattered throughout the American Southwest. That's cool. So what, what's a sun tower? It's a cute little squat tower, a meter or so wide, a couple of meters tall. And they typically have an ability to get in and out. You need a door. But once you're inside, there are specific windows that are lined up to capture the sunrise or sunset on specific dates lined up with specific objects on the wall. So these would be designed to conform to the local latitude and longitude, the local geography. So these were built by someone who was like, okay, I have to put the window here. And on this day, the sunlight's going to shine through. Okay, quickly record on the wall. Okay, I'm going to put a monument here. And once these were created, you could sort out a calendar based on the extremes of the the summer and winter positions of the sun and by looking at how the sunlight shined in through these windows and where it hit the wall you could build a calendar that is really cool it's kind of like uh well i'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking manhattan hinge um <laughs> but <laughs> yes. after the fact right so if they had actually designed manhattan for the perfect day, waited for the sun to come straight down some streets and then built a whole city around it, then that would be the same thing, but it, as opposed to an interesting coincidence where the sun happens to come down some streets on Manhattan on one day of the year at a certain time. Um, but, and so, like, what would they use something like this for apart from just feeling really proud of their ability to predict the <laughs> movements of the sun? Well, well, calendars in general are a useful thing, and the moon is an annoying thing. One of the thing that was one of the things that was quickly realized by uh, academics who tried to interact with what remained of the indigenous peoples of North America was they have a very different relationship with time than Europeans do. And for many of the peoples of North America, the calendar would be div divided into two chunks. And, and here, this is particularly true of the Pueblo nations that descended from the Anzazi. And with the Pueblo nations, you might have half the year that have very poetic names that are tied to things like, uh, this is the moon when the snow breaks the branches off the tree. This is the moon when the eagles fly. And each tribe had their own names, but what would typically occur is you'd have half the moons of the year that have these amazing, specific, glorious names. And then the other half of the year, it's like colors. And this is in part because directions had a sacred place in the Pueblo peoples. And you'd have the six sacred directions. Those would be given six months. And then you had the other months of the year, which were treated more fluidly by being tied to, okay, let's look outside and see what's going on. Okay, now we know the name of this moon. And the reason that you needed to have that fluidity is you can't divide the number of moons evenly into the length right. of the year. 
Yeah, it's like twenty nine and a half days is the length of from full moon to full moon. That's so you just it's twelve moons and eleven days <laughs> per year essentially. Right. And so and you can't get you... you can't get them to line up nicely. Oh, no. that would have been so convenient. No. And and the way they get around not having this work is by paying attention to part of the year very carefully and in some of the most northern latitudes which we're not discussing today other than this bit they didn't even bother with some segments of the year it's like okay we've got no moon we've got no sun we're going to suffer and then once you have that return of the sun once you start to see the special days of the year coming then you start noting, okay, if I stand on this rock and I look out at that ridge line and I note the rising point of the sun as it migrates across the horizon, this tells me the special days of the year. And by looking for the first moon after this sun, that allows you to keep a better calendar. And there's actually some sacred ceremonies that are supposed to coincide with horrible to figure out things like the full moon closest to winter solstice which is one of the hardest things to observe because you have these short days you have miserable weather the probability that your ability to observe is going to be well blocked by clouds is great and there's records of people essentially making fun of the the star the sun priest in their village because they got it wrong and so planting was off and these poor individuals got blamed. Right. Now, here in Illinois with my modern European calendar, I know I don't plant anything before May 1. And I'm sure mm -hmm. you have something yep. similar yep. there yep. in May Vancouver. long weekend. Oh, you don't have it. Um, middle of May. We don't, we don't <laughs> plant anything. And in Massachusetts, it was Memorial Day weekend because it's even colder there. Well we tie things to certain dates they didn't quite have the capacity to do that so they had to use a, a combination of the sun and the moon to get a anc ancestrally determined through repeated experience this is when you should plant and when the priest got it wrong well you know who got right blamed. yeah sorry we call it victoria day and that's on uh, may 20th and that is of course to celebrate queen victoria who is very near and dear to our hearts here in Canada. <laughs> it's a it, thing. It really is a thing. It's now, a we thing. happen to have Victoria as a city here in Vancouver Island, but that's not what it's for. But, yeah. Um, I mean, when you look at Chaco Canyon, it is this just this stunning sight, this enormous sort of half circle with these embedded circles inside of it. How much of that is astronomy related and how much of that is just living spaces and various other celebrations and, and you know, and other community events? Well, based, based on knowing that today's multiple Pueblo nations are descended from the peoples of Chaco Canyon, the the modern peoples have their great earth lodges that have four massive pillars that mark out the cardinal directions north south east and west and they suspend a round roof that is meant to be a reflection of our sky 
And it is off of these cardinal points. It is off of the great sphere of the sky. Hemisphere is what we see that they build in their architecture. The great circles, some of them are called kivas. They were only open to men. These were the meeting places, the religious centers. But the Earth Lodge was a place for everyone that was also round and and so we see these shapes that come up over and over and it is a reflection of of seeing themselves as as being tied to the stars tied to the seasons tied to the earth and the sun and it it was all one thing within their philosophy and their culture. Now, we have lost a lot of the details of this, unfortunately. Uh, the majority of our understanding comes from the Zuni people. They were geographically uh, hard to get to by the Spanish. So unlike many of the other Pueblo, Pueblo peoples, uh, such as the peoples of Taos, which is now basically a ski resort, uh, the, the Zuni people were isolated. They've managed to maintain many of their traditions across the centuries. Uh, so there is wiggle room in our understanding. Now, we see, though, this ability to see the architecture get reflected in multiple places. From Chaco Canyon, for reasons that aren't really well understood, Chaco Canyon grew and grew and grew, became an amazing metropolitan city. Uh, but for some reason, around 1150, it pretty much emptied out. Hmm. One of the leading theories for why it emptied out was a massive drought. These things happen in that part of the world. And there was a simultaneous rise of the peoples of Mesa Verde, who were also the Anasazi people, but that was a later city up in Colorado that grew up um, growing inside the canyon walls again. And again, in Mesa Verde, you see these same aligning your architecture so that sunlight shining through walls can mark the seasons. Uh, Chaco Canyon's sun dagger is the most famous of these, but we see this idea of sunlight shining through small spaces to illuminate symbols getting repeated over and over throughout the architecture of the America South. And that's got to be where, for example, uh, the um, Harrison Ford uh, raiding a lost ark uh, had you know opened up a door using sunlight or it was a crystal that's right and things had to line up perfectly on the right date i'm sure they got the inspiration from from something like that and and it was a common way of keeping track of calendars we saw it uh similarly done in egyptian architecture uh mirrored again throughout greek uh we need more understanding of what was going on throughout the rest of the middle east and saudi arabia is finally allowing archaeologists in so hopefully we'll get more understanding of that part of the world uh, the sun dagger is perhaps the best case of oh those rocks are doing something useful in, in the British Isles, they moved rocks to create solar alignments. Mm -hmm. In Chaco Canyon, there's a set of three rocks that align just right to create a thin dagger of light that passes through the rocks and onto a wall behind the rocks. And on this wall, there's carved a beautiful spiral pattern. And on the equinoxes, the sun dagger pierces the center of that pattern. And on the solstices, it hits 
the two extremes, the bottom and top of that sun of that um, spiral pattern. So the motion of the dagger of light passing between these three stones that appear to be a natural formation was taken advantage right. of to create a calendar. That is just that's amazing, like a natural sundial. Well, and just think about all the study that would go into getting that perfect. Some human being basically watched the stone and did whatever the historic equivalent of penciling it right. in was until they knew exactly where it would hit on the equinoxes, until they knew exactly where it would hit on the solstices, and then carved into the rock. You only get one chance to <laughs> right. right. Yeah, take a couple of years. Make sure that, you know, you, you measure twice before you carve once. Uh, so, and I mean... I mean, is, were there, uh, a, I mean, this is just one location. I mean, but this same theme was repeated on a lot of these sites. They had like many versions of the same kind of facility, right? So your local clock. And, and this is where we go back to, to the sun towers and also the difference in how they paid a, attention to time. Uh, the Pueblo people, uh, the Hopis, the Zunis, uh, they they didn't think the same way about noon and 8 p.m. And so there's this sacredness to certain days, but not a sacredness to time. And there was also the, yeah, we fully acknowledge sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 13 solar cycles. So we're just going to, well, look outside and see what's going on. But they did rely on that sun. And this is where we go from that old, old sun dagger seen in Chaco Canyon to instead having the sun towers. Now, beyond just noticing the, the sun, they also watched the constellations. And while their understanding of many of the different uh, uh, constellations, what they were, differed from the European ways of looking at the constellations. Although everyone seems to have seen Scorpio as a scorpion, no matter who you were, it was a scorpion. I, but beyond some of those exceptions, they were picking out many of the same stars that we pick out. And this also went into their understanding of the seasons. And unlike many other cultures, they they took these constellations and just like we do today with Think Geek, they turned it into their day-to-day -day food storage items. So you can find crocs that had the constellation Orion in the lid. Oh really? So they would so, yeah, and like and that's when you open it. When you can see Orion, that's when you open this the lid and eat the food. Well, I don't know if that's the okay. case. We can't know that. We simply know there's know. food containers that had constellations that's my theory. on the lid. <laughs> if you see Orion, no, then, it's, then it's you know, then it's probably time to eat this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they they knew their stars, and it got tied into the lore, and. It also got tied into the lore, the not knowing which moon it was. And this is a fabulous combination of they knew on this date the sun would set behind that place on the ridge. They knew in this season 
this constellation rises and is high and it was passed through the oral traditions. But there's also a fabulous Zuni tale of the the person who was murdered because they said, um, well, the current season is and they named the moon and the person responded no it's the moon of the eagle flying you moron there's an eagle flying behind you except they said this in their ancient language and the person turned around to look at the eagle and got their throat slashed and the murderer responded don't you know there are no eagles in this season (laughs) and and so it was widely acknowledged that the season moons were fluid, but the sun and the constellations were set. That's uh, that's awesome, what and horrible. And, but that that is the nature of a bunch of these legends. Humans humans are humans throughout all time, and one of my personal greatest sadnesses is there were amazing civilizations all across the United States that just died off horribly after the Spanish yeah. and Dutch began exploring simply because European diseases. Yeah, they brought their little friends. Yeah. So so the Mississippian people who lived where I live now went from having one of the largest cities in the world to just not existing anymore. So there's so much that we can't know. And uh, this is where we're so lucky that the Zuni were so isolated. Yeah. Um, were there any more sites, any more interesting features that you wanted to mention in the last couple of minutes? Um, I, I think this is one of, of the main sets of things for now. We will be going in to discussing, uh, all of the telescopes that, that got built, um, they also, I should say, used the, the constellations on uh, rattles that eventually got turned into the, the shakers used in Marachi bands. The original ones used by the native peoples uh, also had constellations on them. So they used it on musical instruments that were ceremonial in many respects as well. So the takeaway from all of this is the, the native peoples of, of the American Southwest had this fabulous time is fluid the moon misbehaves the sun is solid we can trust its rising and setting to determine when we should plant and stars are cool so put constellations on your musical instruments on your food gourds and we are part of our universe and we build our largest permanent settlements to have this earth lodge that reflects the cardinal points in the sky in its architecture and I wish we built more architecture that incorporated, well, our universe into its design. That's a that's a great idea. It's sort of, uh, I mean, we we definitely think about that a bit here in Canada. When we build a house, you want a, a south facing. Whenever you you know you have part of it face the south so that you can get some sunlight, because it's cold and wet, and so you want to maximize yeah. the chances. And so you do think about the the, the larger sort of facing but you don't necessarily i would love to have a house with some feature that on one day of the year you get this shaft of sunlight or something that perfectly goes to some other location that would be so cool and i so i'm so i'm gonna add that you know to my blueprint for my future house 
to, to let the audience in on one of my happy little no longer secrets, part of the reason that my recliner is placed where it is placed is because on the most miserable winter mornings in January, the sunlight comes through my office window, shines through the fish tank, makes all the plants start bubbling oxygen and casts rainbows all over the walls. So I organized my office furniture to maximize winter sunlight. That's that's incredible. All right, on that note, uh, Pamela, thank you so much. Now, before we go, do you have some names to say? I do indeed. We are, as always, here thanks to your support through Patreon. You keep us going and allow us to help Susie keep her kids in college. One is there now and is facing finals. Amanda, we wish you the best of luck. You're going to rock it. You always do. And you are making university possible for Susie's kid. <laughs> so I want to thank Jay, Alex, Anderson, Dustin, A, Rolf, Father Prax, Jason Graham, Ron Thorson, Claudia Mastrolani, Holly Mayer, William Jones, Brent Klenop, Jack, Brandon Wolverton, wordorigins.org, Jeremy Kerwin, Chad Colopy, Joshua Pearson, William Lauer, Joe Wilkerson, Arthur Latz, Hall, Mark Stephen Raznock, Brian Kilby, Tyrone Fong, Iggy Hammock, Omar Del Riviero, Margaret Robinson, Neuter Dude, and William Andrews. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Astronomy Cast, a nonprofit resource provided by the Planetary Science Institute, Fraser Kane, and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at Astronomy Cast. You can email us at info at astronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast, like us on Facebook, and watch us on YouTube. We record our show live on YouTube every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, or 1900 UTC. Our intro music was provided by David Joseph Wesley. The outro music is by Travis Searle, and the show was edited by Susie Murph. <laughs>